The following is a presentation of the Retro Network. Welcome to Sequel Quest, the podcast where Adam, Jeff, and Jeremy invite you on a cinematic journey to create prequels, sequels, and reboots to your favorite movie franchises. Joined by special guests along the way. Sequel Quest is go for launch, so let the adventure begin now. Downloading file. SequelQuest.exe. Buffering at 98%. Download complete. Stop tapping away on those keys and listen up, you cyber freaks, because it's time to hack the planet. Allow me to introduce you to our crew of movie-loving modem masters, booting up his operating system to remind us that if you mess with the best, you die like the rest. It's Jeremy. Yes. And telling you that you'll find the podcast in the place I hid that thing that time? It's your buddy Adam. And uh, Jeff, unfortunately, came down with a virus. Hopefully it's not the Da Vinci virus and can't join us tonight. But luckily, we backed up a past guest on an old floppy disk and loaded him back into the system. Yes, returning for his final appearance on the podcast tonight, because the FBI is likely just outside his door. A man who's always lived by the mantra of spandex. It's a privilege, not a right. Welcome back, Eric. Um, I believe I also go by Acid Override. I just wanted to <laughs> make sure that you knew that. Oh, we are going to get into some screen names shortly. <laughs> but that is right. Tonight we are talking about the 1995 film Hackers. Now, Jeremy, I don't know how many people out there have seen this film, have caught up with it. Have you seen it? Um, vaguely. I'm like three quarters of the way through it. I think maybe for the first time now. And uh, yeah, I thought I'd seen this before, but apparently not. Well, for those folks who are in the same boat as you, why don't you tell them what it's all about? Uh, this is the 1995 movie Hackers, starring Johnny Lee Miller, Angelina Jolie, Matthew Lillard, and Fisher Stevens, uh, directed by Ian Softley. Or is it Ian softly? Yeah, I don't know. He's, he's British. He's got to be British. He's British. It's got to be Ian. <laughs> when child prodigy hacker Dade Murphy, a.k.a. Zero Cool, moves to New York for his senior year of high school, the government restrictions on his owning a computer is lifted, and he falls in with a counterculture hacker crew who accidentally stumble upon a computer virus scheme involving an evil hacker, the Plague, to embezzle millions of dollars, a few cents at a time, and capsize corporate oil tankers while framing teenage hackers for the job. Can a worldwide network of computer geeks hack the planet in time to clear the names of their fellow keyboard jockeys? We'll find out. Uh, yes, they can. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so this is an interesting moment in time. 1995. 1995 to me, you have Windows 95. I feel like America Online is just hitting the scene in a big way, getting in a lot of homes. A lot of those trial discs flying everywhere. <laughs> Coming in magazines. They were in magazines. Yes. In the mail, in magazines. Could not escape them. So this is my question, because Jeremy, you're a few years younger than us so your experience with the internet i'm curious to hear what was your earliest screen name whether it was like aol instant messenger or myspace <laughs> um hubblicious is the one that uh i think i got <laughs> is that still your email address now or did you have you updated for oh dollar? it's it's the trash yeah. one okay yeah. it's the trash <laughs> one that it's been victim of multiple, multiple data leaks. That's the one I put out there to everything. If I have to sign up for something, it goes in the trash one. Well, what was your first online community that you were really a part of, Jeremy? I mean, that was like MSM Messenger. Yeah. <laughs> I think. Yeah, there wasn't much. I wasn't into much of the chat rooms or any of that. Okay. 
Eric, uh, let's talk here, because uh, you and I, we were there. Talk old school. Yeah, <laughs> we saw the revolution did happen. Did you take a leave this morning like I did because you wake up in pain now? Is that... <laughs> I had Nuprin, little, uh, yellow, yellow, different. different. That's how old school I am. Uh, but yeah, so back in this time, you know, Eric, I mean, you were in high school. I was in junior high still getting ready to go to high school. So let's talk about this 95 era. How connected were you to the online space? And yeah, for you, did do you remember or have you kept the same, you know, online handle? So there were like competing services back then when I was in middle school in like 93, 94, I'm pretty sure I was like really in. Do you remember Prodigy? Oh, yeah. Okay, so I was into Prodigy, and my main thing, my brother and I were both really into Prodigy because they had a really good, like, fantasy baseball program on Prodigy that would, like, update every morning the results of your game from the last night. And there would be, like, a fake newspaper headline of, like, your team won 7-5 to five or whatever. So we were all into that. And that's, like, all I remember about Prodigy, honestly. I know there were a couple other games, but I did that religiously. And then CompuServe, yep. I was, like, kind of into. But then when America Online came up it was like this is the internet and there were like chat rooms and email i think that's my first experience with email was actually america online and my the only screen name that i can remember from i don't remember prodigy at all i think it was just like numbers or something uh but i think america online was i think i just went with zerch because that was my nickname in baseball when i played shortstop like that the coach nicknamed me zerch so i was zerch forever and then I think I still have that screen name. <laughs> <laughs> But I don't know how to log into America Online anymore, so I think it's forever in there, but who knows? I'll never get back in. It's, it's an interesting time because I remember, you know, with our group of friends, just to catch everybody up, Eric and I were friends, Jeff, and we had a big group in high school. And uh, I, I remember getting on AOL Instant Messenger because we would always oh, yeah. just hang out all the time anyway. And then when we weren't together all the time, we would just go on AOL Instant Messenger and just be ridiculous. And I'm pretty sure, like, I've kept the same same screen name like always like it's my twitter handle and everything else but it's just hoju coolander oh yeah that okay i know that one yeah you remember <laughs> that, that one yeah <laughs> So that's been around since when I got into the online space. I'm like, that's my alias. That's what I'll do. But like when I say like what level of hacker was I in high school, I still had like a 486 computer my sophomore year. And our friend Jonathan, he took pity on me and set up a computer with just a Pentium, an original Pentium processor, which was already old tech by that time. He had no use for it anymore. He was running a Linux OS on his computer. I remember this like penguin mascot. He's like, this is not Windows. This is what the real computer programmers use. And I was like, huh? Linux? What is this? It's, it's weird because like I would, and I remain this way. I would always be like, two steps behind you know like probably like five <laughs> years behind in technology and, and then somebody always gives me old tech nowadays it's my mom she buys like the latest ipad and gives me her old one you know it's just like i've never bought my own stuff hey i have a dvd player in my garage do you want that <laughs> uh well I'm, I'm still making my way through my six vcrs and then oh. when the dvd nostalgia revolution hits yes you'll be my first call <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, that's way too new of technology for yeah. <laughs> I, I need a couple Slow more years. Slow down, buddy. Slow down. <laughs> but, Eric, you brought up hackers when we said you want we want to have you back on the show and this came to mind for you why did you think of it as a film worthy of a sequel well you said no sports <laughs> <laughs> so i was like oh crap that's like most of my favorite movies and then i was i don't remember what it was but i just love this movie so much this was such a big movie for me in high school because this was like i think it was sophomore year for me 95 something like that and i i had a fraught time in high school like my freshman year i dropped out and then my sophomore year i came back and and for whatever reason when i watched this movie i saw this i'm one of the few people who saw this movie in the theater i remember going to see it and it was 
just I thought everything about it was just so cool. Like the day after I, I saw that movie, I made my dad take me to Micro Center and we bought computer programming books with like coding. I think it was like C plus coding language. Wow. And I was like, we got that. And I was like, so into it. And then I started reading that book and I was like, this is really hard. <laughs> and then I didn't do anything with it. I still regret that these days. But I had a big crush on Angelina Jolie. I thought all the characters were super cool. I thought I was, I mean, so, I mean, I had computers. We had, we were a Macintosh, uh, Apple Macintosh family. So when they had an Apple laptop in that movie, I was like, oh my God, amazing. <laughs> like, I didn't know enough to realize that, like, looking back at it now, like, pretty much everything they do in that movie, hacker wise, is super not doable. <laughs> like, like, it's super fake. But yeah, it's not exactly. The, but everything about it resonated so much with me. And the soundtrack to that movie, I bought that CD and I played that nonstop when I was able to drive. That and the eventually the Matrix soundtrack, but those two were just on yeah, repeat. Yeah, so let, let me mention that because, Eric, to me, you were the techno guy. The way that I was the Kiss guy to everybody that was in our friend group, oh, Adam, he's the Kiss guy. But I was, you were the only person I knew that listened to techno. And, yeah. and like, so like this soundtrack, that's all it is, right? It's, it's very much almost like the Mortal Kombat soundtrack. You know, it's just like the who's who of techno at the time. And our former co-host and our friend, Justin Maloney, had the Hacker soundtrack CD in his car. So when he would let me choose the music on drives around town, because I always just had everybody else drive me around. I didn't get my license till after I graduated. <laughs> it was either Aerosmith's Get a Grip album or the Hacker soundtrack, specifically Voodoo People by uh -huh. The Prodigy. I love oh that song. Oh my god. Oh, so good. And so there are actually a bunch of Prodigy songs in this movie, and that led me to seek out the music for the Jilted Generation album, which I have listened to nonstop for 20-plus years. And I love it. And, it, and when I rewatched the movie for this, I was just like, oh, I know these songs by heart, and they're popping up in the movie. You know, So it was, it, it was also the soundtrack to all my comic book reading over the last few decades, You know, from the 90s forward. I just put on music for the Jilted Generation. I'm like, this is perfect. But yeah, you were my techno connection <laughs> i remember sitting in your car and like what is this music that he's putting on yeah I, I that started me on a like once i once i discovered prodigy like i went deep <laughs> like in all that stuff like every birthday every christmas that i had after that my brother was like i know what to get you he'd go to the cd listening bar or like tower records and buy whatever new techno was in there. It's usually compilation stuff, and I just ate it up. I love that. And it was like, yeah, it was just the music. You know, obviously, then it kind of evolved more into house music, and then raves were the big thing. But Jeremy, do you have any connection to like techno music? Like, is that like your young years? Do you remember ever hearing anybody in your life playing that? Um, I mean, the only techno music would be like. Oh shoot! What is it? Fat Boy Slim. Um, if you say Moby, well, I'm gonna be really upset. <laughs> no, no. Chemical Brothers. Um, Chemical Brothers. There you go. Like Darude Sandstorm. Oh, oh no! No! <laughs> oh, oh the God, only one that comes the worst to mind. Possible thing you could have said. No. <laughs> Yeah, so the tail end when it was played out, I guess. Yes, techno was played out by that point uh, when I got into music, and it hasn't made much of a comeback as I've been DJing. Uh, it's been more uh, more on the EDM front than techno. Or is EDM just techno reborn? 
<laughs> so here's the, here's the thing I want to mention too, because Eric, you brought up the point that the actual use of computer technology in this film is just it's pure fantasy. Computers are magic in this world, but hackers just in general were in the zeitgeist at this time of the '90s, but also you know before in a brief moment in the '80s when you know war games, for example, or Richard Pryor's character in Superman Three, which this worm virus thing they have in there is totally ripping off Richard Pryor's scheme where he would just take a few pennies at a time. Huh? Somebody saw Superman 3. That makes one of us. <laughs> but also, you know, obviously you had like Sandra Bullock in The Net. Oh God, I love that one too. <laughs> yeah. Got that on VHS back here. Keanu Reeves in Johnny Mnemonic, which was more cyberpunk, but it definitely had that hacker connection to it. And then eventually, like you said, The Matrix was, I feel like, the big one. But Keanu Reeves, for some reason, he is our preeminent hacker in cinema. But then later, Hugh Jackman as a hunky hacker in Swordfish? Terrible movie. Love to watch it. <laughs> Most embarrassing, in my opinion, is, you know, back in 93 when Lex asserts herself as a hacker in Jurassic Park. Do you remember this? Her brother calls her a computer and she's like, I'm a hacker. Is <laughs> that like, the, the girl? Yeah, the girl. The blonde girl? Oh, yeah. She saves oh, yeah. The she, day. Like, she, yeah, yeah, yeah. She gets into the control room and, like, does stuff. And it's funny to me because I, I don't even know what movie it was from, but my cousins, back then, they even mocked people's lack of understanding of computers. And there was this movie where this British kid was like, maybe, just maybe, we can hack into the computer mainframe. And they would just quote that all the time. <laughs> Gotta hack into the mainframe. Well, I, I think one thing about this movie that Hackers movie does that a lot of these movies do, and I was reading for today, I was reading an old review of the film by Roger Ebert, and he actually liked it. And he was like, the computer stuff's all crazy, but, you know, it's a good story about these teenagers. And one of the things about hacking is like real hackers are like staring at a computer screen for like 12 hours. <laughs> I mean, like, how do you make typing interesting? You're not right? rollerblading like, around. Right. It's like, they, so they have to do these things like, okay. So like the Gibson in the movie hackers, insane, insane. These like, these like five foot tower plexiglass towers that have all this text control. That's not real. Like, but they had to make it interesting. And like in Jurassic Park, where they're flying through those like rectangular box, I kind of remember that now. Yeah. They make these like visual representations of what's actually happening in text. So it always looks crazy because otherwise you'd just be like, all right, we're going to do a montage of people typing. Great. Yeah, well, it, it's it's kind of <laughs> nuts because, yeah, it's like at certain points there's like random numbers floating around people's heads as uh -huh. they're, you know, hacking in. and It's like reflected on their face. The that's screen. the worst. Like, that's... When, since when does any type of screen, a computer or otherwise, project the image onto our faces? <laughs> I don't know about you, but it's happening to me right now. <laughs> <laughs> but like like you said, like, yeah, the Gibbs and the whole main computer system they're trying to get into, like, there's all these towers, and it's all blacklight. It looks like superhuman samurai cyber squad in there. Anybody? Yeah, yes. You know Excellent what I'm talking reference. about. <laughs> It's kind of weird. The only tech to me that feels like it actually even hasn't changed since that era is the VR headset and controller that the Plague is using at one point. Right. It's like Google Glass, isn't it, basically? <laughs> I mean, it's literally the same tech that my eight-year-old son begs me for. He sees his favorite YouTubers using what he calls Black VR. Dad, I want Black VR. I'm like, maybe when you're 10 and you won't break it. But yeah, and so this is what was interesting for me, too, is because I, too, Eric, I saw this in theaters opening weekend with my older brother. because and, and We were among the few. We were part of that brotherhood. Uh, <laughs> but Literally. This film costs like $20 million to make it only grossed just over $7 million. Ultimately. Yeah, I looked that I looked that up today and I was because in my mind I'm like, this is a big hit. This is a big hit. I looked it up. They lost a lot of money on that movie. Because yes. <laughs> that's 1995 money. Yeah. But the thing is, my brother had been a computer nerd and programmer since the earliest PCs were available in the 80s. You know, he's 17 years older than me. So he was there at the very beginning of it all where it was really, you know, getting into homes. So he actually read the book that exactly. I Exactly. <laughs> 
Well, and he went on, he worked for Boeing and Hughes Aircraft for many years using those programming skills. He always had the latest and greatest computer tech. So this movie was like right up his alley, totally on his radar. And I remember going to the theater with him and just being like, wow, this is like colorful. It's exciting, but I don't get it. And then I rented it once after that. But it's, it's not one of those films that was ever a favorite of mine. It's very memorable, but I didn't go back. I didn't buy it and watch it over and over and over again. Never, you know, owned it for my, my personal library, but I couldn't ever forget it. Whatever it was mentioned, I was like, oh, I know that movie. So let's talk about then why it was so memorable. Eric, you've seen it many times, you enjoyed it. So what are the most memorable scenes for you? Oh, <laughs> so when I, in high school, I think it was my junior year i did summer school and i took a it was like a keyboarding class i needed credits so i took like a keyboarding class it was like learn how to use excel and (laughs) you know (laughs) cool and on the last day of summer school the teacher was like i have a treat for you guys we're gonna watch a movie today it's a real computer movie and he brought in hackers on like vhs so this must have been like 96 or something, right? So I went up to him because I was that kid. I'm like, um, there's a scene with boobs in it. And he's like, oh. And I, he's like, just let me know when it's coming. I'm like, okay. Oh, you <laughs> almost blew like it that. for everybody. Yeah, well, I, I purposefully, like, forgot to tell him a little too late. <laughs> Oh, this is the... Never mind. Uh Uh-oh. Oh, not yet. No, no. My bad. My bad. Oh, I thought it was a different... I'm so sorry. Uh, (laughs) Every now and then, to be honest, like, I'll have dreams about floating through the Gibson. Just those, (laughs) like... Because I watched the movies with Mikey YouTube. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen his stuff on YouTube. His stuff is great, and he he did an analysis of this movie, and he found out the Gibson computers, they actually, those are like practical sets. Those are like five feet tall things. They actually built those and swooped the camera through. Whoa. It's right. Cool. It's not uh, VFX. So, well, the, the text scrolling on them is, but I thought that was pretty cool. So I still have every once in a while, like once a year, I'll have a dream where I'm in the Gibson and I'll be like, what the heck? The scenes where they're they're uh, harassing the FBI agent. Oh, and the they're, they're constantly, they put his, an ad for him in like the, the, um, the personal ads for personal a ad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For the different professions that we we don't have, and he's like, his phone is lighting up, and the scene where they're they're doing the hack off between one another, and the, they take over the TV station, and the little arms are trying to fight for the VHS because they're trying to play the movie that they want to play, yeah. the little hacking competition, Acid Burn versus Crash Override. Yeah, and then at the end, you know, they have the crash and burn on the buildings when they're in the pool. I there's so many like little snippets. Like I don't, I just have these little snapshots of the movie that I've just stuck with me. But there's no like, I mean, it's one of those like you know from the beginning they're gonna win, right? You know, it's not like the the end is not in doubt. It's just those little things that like really burned into my brain. Yeah, well, Jeremy, you're only just you know three quarters of the way through this film. So <laughs> what craziness jumped out at you from this? Night? ID's techno thriller. I mean, I just got to the point to where he hands off the disc to the evil skateboarding villain <laughs> driving by into the fog at night. Yeah, he's holding on to a limousine and he's just like got yeah. his trench coat on. We should mention that's Fisher Stevens. This is our third time covering a Fisher <laughs> Stevens film. We did Short Circuit 2, well, the Short Circuit franchise, but I was thinking of him starring in Short Circuit 2. But then also uh, we did Super Mario Brothers, where he was one of, you know, Koopa's henchmen there. And here he is again, you know, just in the 90s. He was taking some very interesting roles. That Wait, is they made sure. a movie about the Super Mario Brothers? <laughs> You've wiped it from your brain. Uh, very much so. And so, yeah, that that's definitely pretty hilarious, him as the plague or Eugene. <laughs> Don't call me Eugene. And then also Penn Jillette just popping in there is hilarious. But yes, for me, like the scene that always stood out and, you know, it, it involves voodoo people. So, of course, I'm going to remember it. But it's when they are basically going out on their rollerblades. They have reprogrammed the traffic lights. You know, they've hacked into that system. Oh, yeah. They're going to grant. I assume it's Grand Central station they're in some subway station maybe that's all it is but they're but they're like in their different 
phone booths and they're all plugged in and it goes by their computers and then it like spins around like them like you know it's again it's 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 kind of a weird practical effect you know you well, know they were, were just on a sound stage phone booths. those were popular back in the 90s <laughs> if only so yeah so it, that where you just have them running around the streets is cool but also i really like just the atmosphere of the hacker club and it's this it's almost identical i feel like to the teenage mutant ninja turtles bad kids club for the foot you know like their clubhouse that they were all in there's people like rollerblading all over the place and you know the ninja trolls when they were like skateboarding you know it's just like i love that whole aesthetic of like kids could just be kids here you know the real chuck e cheese everybody was just weird and it was fine yes like they were all weird kids they all were like individuals and unique and i think it was one of those like it was a pretty diverse group for the most part especially in 1995 Mm -hmm. you know and then like and then when they make the bet on what they're going to do on their you know she doesn't date but then he's like i'll you you'll wear a dress on the date and then he does and it's like okay (laughs) it's like oh this is nice (laughs) well i I had a question about that by the way when you mentioned you know the fantasy sequences briefly earlier there's a scene where one of them is in this like pleather Uh like like is that supposed to be him or her him because she's having the nightmare but i couldn't tell because it's all very dark so i remember this one it looked like it was her until it got to the chest and then it's revealed that it was him in the suit all right yeah because there's there's a lot of like little kinky fantasy sequences like you said eric and there's one moment where she just angelina just breaks in and her shirt is basically open you know from the side you get a little side glance you know you're like whoa what's going on here this isn't Titanic. Oops, I forgot to warn my teacher about that. Yeah. Part. Uh, <laughs> but uh, let's talk a little bit of because we, you know, we've mentioned a few of the characters. But who are your favorites? You know, as you've watched it, Jeremy, who did you latch on to so far, other than the plague? <laughs> well, I mean, obviously, you try to latch on to the protagonist. But I mean, at least now we know what Shaggy did before he joined the the Mystery Squad. <laughs> Matthew Lillard, yes, serial killer. I have to mention about him, too, because he was obviously the one that stood out for me. And he was a special guest at the opening ceremonies of the Fullerton College High School Theater Festival. Eric, I think this was the year after you graduated. But he got a huge pop from the crowd. They had this like big opening ceremony in a gym. And he comes out and everybody's like, yeah! And I hadn't seen Scream. I was going to say, had he done Scream yet? I yeah. Don't and and I didn't recognize him from this movie because he looks so different. So I had no idea why this guy was such a big deal. But our classmate and friend of a future SNL cast member, Will Smith's Aladdin love interest, Nassim Padrad, was with me. And she's freaking out right next to me. And I'm like, I don't get it. And I actually have her on tape, me asking, why is he such a big deal? And she's just singing Matthew Lillard's praises. He was so funny and scream. And then he does this. And it's so great. And then I recorded her conversation as she tracked him down on the campus afterwards and like was telling him how awesome he was why you ask because this is what i did back in the day eric can attest to this is this on vhs camcorder this one's just audio cassette oh but oh yeah yeah you did that too <laughs> i loved when you recorded us it was great i'm sure you did my favorite but i would agree yeah lillard he is hilarious in this movie he's such a goofball he has the best lines for the most part i would, I would so. also like to point out that you know you're really with it and in the know when you're the only one at a theater competition who doesn't know what's going on (laughs) again like i say i'm always a couple years behind (laughs) oh but how about for you eric outside of who we've mentioned so far is there another character that's a big one for you as in your rewatches uh i like phantom freak i think his name's just freak in that movie i don't think he has I I just I like I like the people who talk fast. <laughs> I don't know why. So, so serial killer. I like uh, freak Joey. I was like, whatever. I don't really care about Joey. But he's the one who starts it all right. Because he hacks the Gibson for the first yeah, he's, time. He's the one who gets them in trouble. So try to prove himself. And then Lord Nikon was also there. Like, was it he wasn't in high school, was he? I don't think so. He did seem like he was older and had his own place. That was he looked yeah, like he was older. 35 years old, right? <laughs> well, and I think Matthew Lillard was 25 when he made this, and Johnny Lee Miller was like 23. 
two or three. Yeah. And then the only one who was actually in high school during that was Joey. He was 16. I liked all of them for the most part, but I really liked uh, Freak and Serial Killer. Other than, you know, the, the leads. Yeah, I remember the one that always stood out to me, and it was just so weird, was, you know, Agent Ray, played by the one and only king of, I need to know, I need to know, tell me, baby girl, cause I need to know. Oh, Mark Anthony. Adam, I wasn't told there was going to be singing when I agreed to do this. <laughs> You're going to have to up my appearance fee of dollars. <laughs> But I love how he is, like, there's this moment where he's like, yeah, I mean, it was pretty cool what they were doing. What? Pretty cool. These guys are criminals, you know, and you see, you see he's kind of on their side, like. And then, you know, also you get Razor and Blade, the hosts of the Hacker Show, like, they're pretty cool. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I remember, you know, I honestly was going to watch this again, but then I couldn't find a streaming service that had it for free. So I was like, I'll just read about it. Yeah. <laughs> I remember, like, now I'm picturing those guys. Yeah, they, they were pretty cool. And I liked that, you know, to me, because they're, they're Asian actors, and they could have very easily been some sort of, like, weird Asian Madam Butterfly stereotype odd, but they, they just actually talk like normal people. They're not, they're not putting on a show necessarily when they go behind the scenes. And, and ask for their help and in calling out you know the hack the planet nation and all of that so i felt like like you said eric it's a very diverse movie and i think it works really well on that level you know say like does it age well it actually does like you go back there's really not anything offensive in this movie and even like the most revered movies ha- usually have like a scene or two where like ah, we don't say that anymore but i don't feel like other than the you know the conversation about like you'll wear a dress you know and i'll wear a dress you know like at the time that was kind of like oh can you believe a guy's gonna wear a dress but like even then like you said they, they don't make a huge deal about yeah, it yeah he does it and it's not a big deal they they go on a date you know <laughs> so, yeah, all right they go swimming and i felt i felt that going swimming in those dresses was way more controversial how could you <laughs> But yeah, like in visually, like we've said, I mean, it's it's a beautiful film to watch. It's it's entertaining, just like how much varied work they do in using different camera effects. And it's I I think again, like if you say it, it it has this cult status now, and I think it's deserved. Why audiences at the time didn't get it when it basically looks a lot like a music video? Maybe it just needed a hit song, and it didn't have that because you know techno was still sort of underground and just coming out. Well, and. I, the thing about it now is like you look at the cast like holy cow yeah pretty good cast but i didn't know any of those people when i watched this movie in 95 no like i had no idea who angelina jolie was i didn't know who johnny lee miller was the leads no clue the villain i think maybe i recognized him from some bit parts and like and st- previous stuff but there's like nobody in this cast it's like a big star so i think that's one of the, the big things is like yeah it's actually got looking back it's got a great cast but at the time it's like who are these people definitely i mean it's kind of like jeremy you're just getting into it now and be like oh yeah well angelina jolie is angelina jolie right but at the time we're like okay some girl with pouty lips okay right <laughs> All right, well, I feel like, you know, we we said this film wasn't a success, so it did not garner a sequel, but it does feel like technology has only become a bigger part of our lives, and so we look at this and we kind of have to say, okay, then, if it had connected, maybe it just needed to be made a few years later for people to be more familiar with computers in their lives, what would the next step have been? So, Eric, why don't you kick us off? Why don't you tell us what you had in mind? All right. So I did some real brainstorming here. I actually have things typed on my laptop. Hey. I am the most prepared I think I've, <laughs> I've ever been. <laughs> All right. So here's what I've got. Okay. I'm not going to reveal the title until the end. Because Ooh. it'll make more sense at the end. All I think all of my sequels are present day because I just can't <laughs> I can't go back in time and put myself like it's 1998. <laughs> I'm bringing back most of the original cast because why not i've got johnny lee miller i've got dade crash override zero cool i've got jolie kate slash acid burn they have a daughter but they're not married because those two would never get married i mean come on right so kate (laughs) and dade have never married but have a daughter laura after the events of hackers in their mid-20s uh now they're in their mid-40s scary i know kate and dade they run like a white hat hacker consulting firm they have two main jobs they strengthen cybersecurity of like 
fledgling democracies that are like trying to break free of totalitarian regimes. So I'm thinking like they're trying to help Ukraine fight off Russia. They're trying to help Myanmar become a more democratic place. They're trying to help Ethiopia, like things like that. And so that's their main job. And then on the side, they also do like corporate espionage because, you know, they would. Right. (laughs) So they like steal company secrets uh, from. But they really only focus on the largest conglomerates that are responsible for climate change. So I wrote this mostly today after reading the climate change report from (laughs) yesterday. And I was like, oh, my God, we're all going to die. So so this was very much on my mind. Um, Laura, who is in She's like a senior in college. She's home from college for the summer. And uh, when she gets back, her and Kate go uh, shopping for like basic. I just got home. I need some stuff. They go shopping. They're gone for a while. They come back and Dade has been murdered, assassinated (sighs) at home in a grisly manner. There's signs of torture. Somebody's been at him. They got him. Yeah, not great. Uh, There was a serious lack of murder for the most part in the first one. Uh, (laughs) The only real high stakes was a single oil tanker turning over, if I recall. So I was like, let's let's bump it up a bit. So Kate discovers a post-it note with the phrase, hack the planet. And so that tells her, I got to go to the trash can, right? Because it's like a callback, you know, like they're trashing our rights. They're trashing our rights. That I remember <laughs> from the, which reminds her to look under the trash can lid in the garage. She finds a USB key with a single file containing information implicating the evil conglomerate X Vron. That's right. I came up with a conglomerate by combining Exxon and Chevron <laughs> X Vron in a huge conspiracy to buy off every leading politician in the world's largest carbon producing nations in order to continue business as usual, hiding their true impact on the climate for the past 80 or so years. <gasps> <sighs> then <laughs> Kate uh, brings back the whole crew. So she brings back serial killer who obviously is now a marijuana dispensary magnate in Seattle. Lord Nikon is a famed avant-garde photographer, phantom freak. He's still hacking the planet in, uh, in New York city. And then Laura, who was off at school she, and she's back. She has her own little small crew of like millennial hackle hackers. I came up with hacker names for them by going to a random hacker name generator on the internet, which actually exists. So there's, Hollow, pronouns he, him. Complex, pronouns she, her. And mothership, pronouns they, them. So that's her little crew. So the old school crew gets to work on having the more detailed information in the new and improved Gibson 5000, because Ooh. it can only be new if there's a 5000 after it. <laughs> there the Laura team, she and her millennial team hack the social media accounts of all the Exron board of directors and all the politicians that they've been bribing. And so we kind of have a recall of like, you know, when they were messing with the FBI agent in the first one, yeah. they do the whole like music montage of making their life miserable uh, by doing social media stuff to them. I don't know what that would look like but that's what i came up with so many hacking techno music montages in the end this is as far as i got because i had to go to work today in the end <laughs> x company and the politicians are exposed to the world galvanizing the planet's population to finally address the issue of climate change thereby actually hacking the planet so the name of my sequel is Hackers to colon hack the planet. Wow. You know, this first film, it was a moment in time. And here you are capturing another moment in time. <laughs> That's all I ever do. <laughs> <laughs> living in the moment, living in the moment. All right. So uh, now for mine, I did actually decide to go back a few years to a moment when computers were the scariest thing on the planet. And so I give you Hackers 2.000. Oh, I know. I knew you were going to do Millennium stuff. I knew it. <laughs> Y2K-iller. Yes, Y2Killer. <laughs> yes, so taking place in 1999, the Hackers crew have moved on to various new stations in life. So Serial Killer and Lord Nikon have taken over for Razor and Blade on the weekly Hack the Planet broadcast while creating a file share software platform to compete with Napster called ShareBear that has them traveling the globe looking for investors. Joey and Freak had a falling out with Serial and Icon 
over who actually came up with the name of the app and end up getting jobs at Best Buy on the Geek Squad, secretly using all the computers they repair to play pranks on their former friends. What about Crash and Bird? Well, after a troubled romance with Dade, Kate moved to Japan, where she is the queen of the Tokyo hacking scene, with ties to a company developing robo-maids for high-end homes. Meanwhile, Dade created an online dating site to help him find a girl to replace Kate, but instead of mending his own broken heart, ended up making millions, helping other people find the love of their life in cyberspace. On New Year's Eve, 1999, as everyone awaits the Y2K virus and its ability to wipe out computer systems worldwide, Serial and Nikon celebrate with the members of the Hack the Planet movement in the form of an online rave, knowing that this fear by the masses is unfounded. But at 11.59 p.m., they, along with everyone else on the planet, gets a phone call that is nothing but a dial-up modem sound. And suddenly, all computers are in the hands of Job, a.k.a. the Lawnmower Man. Oh, my dun, God. Dun, dun, dun! <laughs> Crossover! Crossover! <laughs> Wait, do you have rights to intellectual property? <laughs> <laughs> well, Stephen King, uh, I'll just leave his name out of it. We'll be okay. Uh, so Job takes financial and military control of all nations, but also declares that he wants a body to help him to enjoy the pleasures of the world he now rules. With the planet in chaos, as Mark Anthony, returning as Agent Ray, sets out to assemble a team of hackers who once stopped a potential environmental crisis, but finds it hard to get them all to cooperate together. But when Agent Ray dangles the carrot of a one free day a year to hack without consequence if they are successful, the team reforms with an uneasy alliance. But how will they battle Job? He is the ultimate hacker, and he bats them away like fleas when they try to crash his programming, saying, you can't crash the system, I am the system! Realizing they can't win from the outside, the team has to take their relationship with technology to the next level by interfacing with their computers, who have all been upgraded with a new form of artificial intelligence that Dade was using to create a Kate clone software girlfriend, which has her rolling her eyes and mockingly saying, Zero cool is now 100% accurate. Teamed with their computer sidekicks, who they all get to choose the personalities for, the group attack Joe by trying to block his access points, as was done in the first Lawnmower Man film, but again are defeated, with many of the team being injured as Job turns communication devices near them into weapons that he controls. The last one standing, Kate and Dade team up to trick Job into downloading himself into the Robo-Made prototype body, which he renames Cyboman once he takes control in honor of the comic book hero he idolized in his more innocent days. Job puts Dade out of commission when the hacker attempts to cut up the cyber tyrant with a blowtorch, but to protect her former lover, Kate baits Job with the promise of a sensory software upgrade she developed that will allow him to truly enjoy all the pleasures of the flesh that he so richly desires. Instead, she installs the ShareBear program, and Job is overloaded with data shared from worldwide sources as Serial, Nikon, Joey, and Freak call upon the Hack the Planet movement to share their favorite music music and video files. With the cacophony of music and movie quotes raging, Dade melts the modem jack and the robot's body shut as the sensorially overwhelmed Job, now trapped in the malfunctioning robot body, stumbles out of a skyscraper window, his robotic form smashing into pieces then smoldering in flames, with Dade and Kate triumphantly declaring, Crash and burn. Yes, there it is. You got it. Let's see if we can say this again. <laughs> it's it's a doozy. Hackers 2.000 colon Y2K dash Iller. I've known you for a very long time, and yet you still find ways to surprise me as to how your brain works. I just, how do you do this? How? <laughs> it's no corn hellscape, but what can I do? <laughs> You promised me flying toasters, by the way. We'll work them in. We'll work them in. <laughs> All right, Jeremy, what have you concocted over there? Good luck, sir. All right. <laughs> you got to follow that. We have Hackers Aftermath. 
Dade tried to lay low after busting plague with Kate, and the crash and burn duo hacked and goofed their way through college, but love just wasn't enough between them to make it work long term. Like the evil prophet Plague had predicted, corporations would need men of his skills, and Dade has slaved away for the last 30 years, bouncing from corporation to corporation, performing security and penetration checks on enterprises and their systems. A flamboyant Lex Luthor type is the head of mega corporation Hieroglyph, doing everything from space travel to cloud storage and package delivery and shipping. By his side is a weasel of a man as the lead security officer. As date is nearing retirement, a series of hacks begins happening around the country and then around the globe, all having earmarks of Dade's long past hacks, framing Dave and setting the world government sights squarely on him. Once he's locked up, the old crew reunites with Hack the World to prove Dade's innocence and unveil the true mastermind behind these evil hacks and unravel the plot, which is thickening. <laughs> oh, it's very thick. So thick. <laughs> chunky. So chunky. All right, Jeremy, take us into the votes. All right. Well, aftermath, we'll, we'll, we'll see what actually this movie is about after this show. So, um, <laughs> Adam, where does your vote fall? <laughs> Well, I gotta say, I mean, I, I'm pretty impressed, actually, you know, however inspired by current events it was, that just taking the concept of hack the planet, but then actually hacking the planet, you know, like, working it in, like, I'm surprised there wasn't a special appearance by Captain Planet. Because I respect intellectual property rights. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I gotta vote for Eric there, because I was just like, wow, this this one's deep. It's not thick, but it's deep. <laughs> All right, Eric. Wait, is that T-H-I-C-C? Or... No, never mind. I don't know. <laughs> oh, All right, boy. Eric. Okay. Where do you fall? You know, Jeremy, I, I got to say it was really well thought out. I, I really, really had me gripped. But, I mean, Lawnmower Man, right? Like, like, <laughs> lawnmower. like I want to see the Lawnmower Man again. Don't you? Uh, so I'm going to go with Adams just because how would they even film that? I don't know. I, I don't, There's so much happening. The dating service, the love bots. Oh, but... Adam, can you just never say pleasures of the flesh again? <laughs> That's all I really I just, want. I just I just imagine that would be Job's mantra. Ah, pleasures of the flesh. See, you just said it again. You just, <laughs> you just did it. I didn't so... promise anything yet. Okay, now I promise. <laughs> All right, so I, I'm going with Adams because I, I, you know what I, like I said before, I knew you were gonna go Y2K with this. I'm like, there's no <laughs> not going Y2K, but you know, I didn't expect lawnmower. Although I think with the IP, we might have to call him like Lawn Care Fellow or something. <laughs> All right, Jeremy, how about you? Oh, I'm the Count Buster here. Uh, this movie is so much a movie of its time. We can't go modern day. I no! thought as much as we could modern day. So we are going back to the Y2K bug. The most prepared I've ever been. <laughs> but you have to share your writing credit with someone at CNN. I don't know what you're watching. Can I can I just tell you before we move on to Adams because I'll get I concede but like as I was writing this and then my final thing I have in quotation marks hacking the planet I actually got tingles in my spine I was like oh this is good this must be what writers are like when they come up with really good stuff and I just I just felt it just a little bit I'm so proud of that well I'm not so saying I could see the trailer and that coming up and people be like oh. Yeah, like, it, it would definitely get a reaction, that's for sure. But, you know, the other thing about Y2K is, Eric, I believe you and I and the rest of the gang, we were celebrating Y2K together. We were at Justin's house. I remember, I remember it specifically. glasses, yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> was, oh, that was, was pretty ridiculous. One. That was... I don't know how much detail I should. Yeah, I was gonna say there there were people puking in the gutters out front, and yeah, yeah. I had I was I don't drink and I never did, so mm -hmm. I was like the the uh, designated driver <laughs> the next Me morning for like half the group. Like, oh, please don't. Yeah, throw everybody me. kept offering me drinks. I'm like, no, guys. How long have we been friends? What's yeah. going on here? <laughs> but yeah, the Y2K was just such a big thing. We can't let it go. I mean, re these days it's most associated with Chris Jericho, the 
wrestler when he came over to the the WWE, if anything. Yeah, I hear people reference that all the time. Like in my day to day life, they're like, "Hey, do you remember Y2K Jericho?" You know, yeah. <laughs> so, what do you guys think uh, as far as you know? Like you said, Eric, there's a lot going on here. What <laughs> what is the area that to you feels undeveloped? Is it Job? Is it the lawnmower man? Like, why is he doing what he's doing? Or like, what 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 questions do you have? Why is he still alive? Like, <laughs> I I mean, I saw lawnmower man a long time ago but didn't he die well that was the thing right it's like he supposedly died and he was trapped and he couldn't get out but at the very last minute of the film then all these phones start ringing and so this was supposed to say like that the movie was actually taking place in 1999 uh, and that and then it then okay. happens right after because like, you know, it was like a not too distant future essentially is what that film was see here i was thinking you were just on peyote when you wrote this but <laughs> like you're crafty so by the way uh, among my vast vhs collection here i actually have two copies of the lawnmower man one was when they were still able to say you know from the mind of stephen king type thing and then the other one has removed his name entirely because stephen king sued new line cinema and said this does not resemble at all my short story you cannot use my name to promote this film so yes i my collection is full of little details of history like that oh this reminds me adam i've scheduled an intervention for you uh <laughs> next weekend about all of the things you buy so many things well the problem is everybody here at the retro network they just <laughs> feed my habit they're all enablers so i mean why wouldn't you need a second copy of lawnmower man on vhs <laughs> it's only logical i'm preserving history that's true uh, how about for you jeremy are there any holes in this story um we don't have enough glue in the world to cover plot holes so let's just dive in (laughs) and uh, and let's not even think about yeah let's not think about the plot holes that were in the original movie so far yeah yeah and just weaving them into a new master virus y2k era yeah, I mean, I, I guess, like, what what I kind of see it is, you know, he's a little bit Ultron, right? I mean, I, I'm like, oh, okay, he wants, to, he wants to get a body, he wants to be out in the world and kind of controlling everything. So, so there, there is a little Age of Ultron in this movie, for sure. But that's why I thought the idea that he is kind of obsessed with becoming human again, it kind of gives it that little bit of a, a, a different angle on it, you know, because he was a human who became a digital being, essentially, and now he's trying to return, but technology to his mind has not allowed for that just yet. And by the way, Eric, they weren't pleasure bots. They were <laughs> robo-maids! You don't think those are the same thing, Adam? Come on. Come on. Watch any science fiction movie with (laughs) robots in it. You know that's what they are. The other question is, so there was a Lawnmower Man 2, and Matt Frewer took over the role, and they just say because they found his body and it was destroyed, they had to do plastic surgery, and he became Matt Frewer. And so the question I have is, who would you cast to play the lawnmower man in this then? Like, do you think we get Jeff Fahey back? Maybe at this point, Angelina Jolie's star has risen. He's like, I love those Tomb Raider movies. (laughs) I'll be in it. Said nobody ever. Um... (laughs) So is he all digital? Yeah, I mean, pretty much. I mean, because it, 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 it's almost like just, yeah, a voice actor role, if anything. Yeah, because it would all be CGI, right? Right. Do you go big name actor or actual real voice actor? That's the question. I mean, again, I mean, Hackers itself, like we've talked about, was generally relative unknowns. So, but, but do you think you need to bring people in, you know, to say, okay, but we have a name character playing the lawnmower man? I mean, there's a real clamoring in the year 2021 for nostalgia Y2K thrillers. So I feel like (laughs) it would sell itself, but you probably need a big name actor. Um, Let's go with you. Do you have a are you going Jeff Fahey or are you going? Well, I mean, I love Matt Frewer from the Generation X TV movie uh, where he was doing his best Jim Carrey impression. Why not Jim Carrey? Jim Carrey as Job. 
come on. I do like it. And actually, I guess that's the question, too, because I was, you know, imagining a, a reality where it just took a few years, but they eventually were able to make a sequel, you know, just uh, four years after the fact. But are you guys saying it should be a period piece made in the modern day? Because we'd have to de-age everybody. So are you, we're making you're in your mind we're making this sequel in 1999. Yeah, Pro- probably 2000 or 2001, just because we're looking back on Y2K. Would it be better to make it before the year 2000 so that it's like. Ah, we still don't know what's going to happen. This so they literally happen. were making it in like the six months that right. <laughs> the Y2K was a problem. Otherwise, like everybody's going to know, yeah, oh yeah, that wasn't a thing. <laughs> okay, I, I like that idea. I like the idea that this movie is coming out in like November, like Thanksgiving weekend of 1999. They hustled, they wrote that screenplay. <laughs> I mean, Jim Carrey was definitely already a big deal. I'm trying to think of what his movies in 99-2000 would have been. Like, what was he starring in at that point? I mean, is that already... Is that Liar Liar? Is I that... mean, Ace Ventura was 1993, so... Oh, right. wow, okay. Yeah, that, I was like, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind? Like, is, is he already beyond the comedic performances, but this might be quirky and weird enough that he likes it? Yeah, let's, let's hire him up. He's done. You got Jolie... You got Johnny Lee Miller, who everybody's still like, who? You got Jim Carrey. We're done. Like, that's the movie right there. Everybody else is coming back from the previous one, right? Yeah, I mean, you get everybody, Matthew Lillard, he'll show up, and the rest. I mean, he's even bigger after Scream, so it's like, this movie sells itself. How did we not make this? (laughs) It should have been, and maybe it yet still will be. I should have been computer programming. You should have been making movies. Well, you were making movies, but it was about your high school friends. (laughs) (laughs) I was making movies starring Jeff as a killer with a rake. (laughs) So I I think that could work. Now, the only other thing I wanted to pitch to you guys and get your take on is so when they have their, they're not avatars, but their their AI computer counterpart that they have in the, you know, when they go to attack Job inside cyberspace, I said that each of them would get to choose who their, essentially their sidekick would be, that they wanted the personality to be uh, of their computer system that they're teamed up with. So do you guys have any idea for like, okay, serial killer would want who? What, what year was the Scooby-Doo movie? Because I feel like that was 99, wasn't it? So he just chooses Shaggy from the Scooby-Doo movie and he gets to play a dual role. That could be I fun. I feel like we could also do some cross-promotional things. And they all just get a Powerpuff Girl. <laughs> I mean, here's our Captain Planet. Thing. Oh, like, oh, that's yes. the obvious hack the planet. <laughs> Go planet. That could be fun. That could Side be fun. trivia question. What does Hart do? Well, I mean, I, I wish I could tell you, I guess, I mean, I uh, uh, cause a change of heart for all those bad people who wanted to pollute. I don't know. Don't know why. It's telepathy with animals. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. So that was Mati's power. That's why he had his monkey sidekick. That's wild. Huh. Today you learned something. Yes. Animals are true heart. But I mean, that would be funny. That actually would be interesting. The, yeah, the cross promotion, if they all, you know, whether it's Powerpuff Girls, whether it's Power Rangers, whether it's like who, like where it is kind of a team and then they're all teamed up with a member of an existing entertainment franchise. Or they each get like one of them's like Captain Crunch. Serial <laughs> <laughs> mascots. Cause that, I mean, that'd be funny if serial killer was the one that was re reconfiguring the AI that Dade put together. And so he's just like, what do you think I was going to choose? And then it's, yeah, serial mascots. So you got I Tony the Tiger. Yeah. I mean, you know, he's probably got the munchies like most of the time, right? Oh, yeah. So. yeah. You got Sugar Bear. I mean, we could have Snap, Crackle, and Pop, but that's putting a lot on the plate of Rice Krispies. You know, they're they're getting too big a share of the pie. Yeah, you gotta have the Tricks Rabbit. Yeah. How about the, how do you not Cheerios be? He's lame. No. (laughs) (laughs) He's got the most boring cereal ever. What about the Lucky Charms guy? Yep, yep, gotta have Lucky. I mean, what about, I mean, also the monster cereals are making a big comeback this year. Big 50th anniversary for Count Chocula. Chocula. Yeah, that could be fun. How did I not (laughs) know about that? Check it out. Go to your cereal aisle. Find Monster Mash cereal. It's all of them in one. Great. (laughs) 
I think that works out really well, yeah, for just that moment. Because it, it would be, it feels like it would be a very, I mean, we just saw it in Space Jam 2. We saw it in Ready Player One. How many cameos can you jam into a film, right? <laughs> like, like you're worried about intellectual property there, Eric. Well, just look at, everybody wants to be in this hacker's too. Because it's not, it's not IP. That's just product placement. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, that's just pro. It's not like we have a Roger Rabbit situation here. We're just putting in, like, cartoons and stuff from serials. So, yeah. actually, you know what? They're paying us. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, I think that we uh, we have delivered to the people uh, a pure slice of cyber entertainment that is in no way dated. This is what people needed. This is what people <laughs> wanted. Like you say, Eric, it's in the zeitgeist that Y2K, they can't get enough. <laughs> I just like to say, Jeremy, you really, you broke my heart today. I'm just, <laughs> I'm throwing it out there. I had a spine tingle when I wrote that last line, and you gave it to the pl- flesh pleasure guy. <laughs> One man's robotic maid is another man's pleasure device. I'm just saying, this is my last episode. <laughs> Well, Eric, and we have appreciated your being a frequent guest over the years. You've always brought the fun. You've always brought some interesting ideas to the table and mockery of me, which I always welcome. (laughs) It's It's my brand, Adam. That's my brand. So, but again, thank you for being part of the experience for sure. Sequel Quest couldn't have done it without you. All those sports films, all those sports sequels, people were clamoring for. So, do you want to tell people where they can find you on Twitter? They can harass you and uh, tell you about their environmental plans? Yeah, my uh, at is please don't ever find me on Twitter. (laughs) Hashtag go away dot please leave me alone. I think, uh, but there's a couple of like fours in there for A's instead because I'm elite, but whatever. <laughs> I'm a middle school math teacher. I just, just leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> well, the final countdown continues here on Sequel Quest. We will be bringing back some more familiar voices and past guests from the history of the show. But until next time, you just got a wake up call from the Nintendo generation. Back the planet. <laughs> Hackers <laughs> 2, hack the planet. Simple little messages. We'll just drop that throughout the episode. <laughs> for listening to this episode of Sequel Quest and invite you to continue the fake movie fun on social media. Submit your ideas for future episodes to sequelquestpod at gmail.com or sqpod on Twitter. The films and characters discussed on Sequel Quest are the property of their respective studios and license holders. No copyright infringement is intended. This has been a presentation of the Retro Network. 